It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. One of a kind opinions, big name guests, the teams you care about every day, every, every day. It's the Ron Johnson Show, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now. Welcome to the Ron Johnson Show, and I'm your host, Ron Johnson. Those joining us on YouTube, welcome. Those that continue to download, subscribe podcast, we appreciate it. Please make sure you share, comment, let your friends know. Uh, but on today's show, it's, it's going to be football-driven a little bit to start this one out. Why? It's been a hot topic with receivers this season, or this offseason at least. What's going to happen? Who's going to make the team? Is Adam Thielen ready? Is Justin Jefferson going to be the next Cooper Cup? Is he going to be the Triple Crown winner? Well, ESPN decided to do an early mock draft, because why not? I mean, the season has even started. We're going to talk draft for 2023. And as I bring Sam Ekstrom in, my producer, you know, we're going to hit on the Daily Three, of course, Twins, Doubleheader, uh, we're going to talk to Nick Bukestead. He's going to tell us what he's going to do in free agency. First time being a free agent, where is he going to go? Gives us a little inkling of what he wants to do. Um, and then we got to stick with this topic of receivers. But before we jump into the receivers, what should the Vikings do with the 23rd draft pick, at least as it stands right now? We'll have a word from our sponsors first. Absolutely. You know, Ron, I used to collect sports cards. I had the booklet. I would put the cards in the little slots and I would page through them. I would try to get uh, cards from every football team. It was a really good time when I was young. Um, well, if you want to capture that nostalgia, you can use the 100% free sports card investor app uh, because they've got some really exciting stuff for you, whether it's breakout stars or debuting prospects. You can check the value of or find great deals on their first cards. Uh, if you're interested in getting into sports cards, this is a great chance to find awesome deals on your favorite players. Download the Sports Card Investment app today, available for free in the Google Play and Apple Store stores, or go to sportscardinvestor.com backslash locked on. Well, Sam, as I bring my producer in, Sam Ekstrom, uh, I'm looking at this, you know, draft first what i see is espn has the vikings drafting in the 21st spot which means there's only 11 other teams around them or worse than them no better than them sorry so that means the vikings are saying the vikings are going to finish right around 12th or 11th place which means they made the playoffs you got 14 teams that get to make it this means they have the vikings in the playoffs the 21st spot is just their thought that means the vikings got knocked out in the early wild card rounds I don't think so. I think the Vikings are going to draft a lot lower. I think the draft Vikings are going to be later 20s. Um, I think they're going to make a, a, a little bit better playoff run than what ESPN is giving them credit for. Um, but we'll see. Kevin O'Connell has to get Kirk Cousins right, and that's the key. You know, with the quarterback, I saw this something today. Keyshawn Johnson did the five most dangerous quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, I wonder where he puts Kirk Cousins on that list, but his top five did not have Brady, did not have Herbert. It did not have um, sorry, Stafford. That was the other one Orlovsky's mad that wasn't in that group. And so when you think about Stafford, I think you Kirk Cousins can give you Stafford type of production with an offense suited to him. And so when you look at this draft pick at 21, I don't I don't see it being there. But for the show, sake of the show, they have him drafted in a receiver. 
Their comment is Adam Thielen is running and his running mate, Justin Jefferson. How much time do they have left together? Is Adam Thielen old? Is Justin Jefferson going to be gone? Uh, is it time to start preparing for the future? 5'10", 180-pound receiver. I don't think that's preparing for the future, but that's just me. I'm not big on little receivers um, when you're talking about first-round picks, um, unless it's just an absolute killer. Um, when you when you look at some of these guys from Ohio State, um, still in that 5'11", 6'6", range. Like 5'10", to me, you, you, it's almost like you're drafting a slot. Now, Steve Smith definitely set the, set the league on fire, um, so there are those outliers that can come in and be dominant, but I just don't think that's the fit. You know, I don't think that's the guy. When you think about what this offense is going to possibly look like, and that's and maybe they're they're thinking like Rams, jitterbug, move around stuff. Um, but it didn't work out for some of the smaller receivers the Rams had tried. It was all the bigger, taller receivers um, that ended up winning them a Super Bowl. Van Jefferson, Cooper Cup, you know, like that's what Odell Beckham, like that's what ended up happening. So, in my opinion, I I, I do think Adam Thielen, like he's getting old. You know, he's going to be heading towards year ten next year. Um, it might be time to find somebody and I'm not saying I don't think it'll be gone, but it, it might be time to find it, draft a third receiver, but I don't think this is the guy, but that's just me. I don't think that would be the guy to draft, but Sam, what do you think? So I'm looking at the future of the receiver position in Minnesota. Justin Jefferson is going to make a mint. He's going to make $200 million or something close to that. If he stays in Minnesota, Adam Thielen is due 19.9 million next year because they moved his contract around, right? They kicked the mm -hmm. money down. So they're not paying Adam Thielen 19.9 million. I mean, that that is just asking for a restructure. Now, if Adam Thielen has a huge year and says, "Hey guys, I'm not taking a penny less." I mean, we don't know what Adam Thielen's future is because he's at that point in his career where he does have to talk about the money every single year. Then you've got KJ Osborne He's entering the final year of his deal next year, right? So if you're paying Jefferson massive amounts of money, probably, if Thielen is still making a good amount of money, you're probably not going to be able to extend K.J. Osborne. Mm -hmm. I mean, and he might be that unfortunate piece that, that you have to let walk because you can't afford to keep three highly paid receivers around if, if Osborne earns that. So to keep refilling that tank with top receiver talent i don't know if this is the right receiver this is just a name to me i haven't scouted college football at all but the idea of taking a receiver isn't ludicrous to me when you're paying one super massive amounts of money like jefferson assuming you are you're going to need to have cheap talent to supplement that because you can't afford to pay all of them right so you got to have those cheap rookie contracts yeah, and the name, and I'm sorry, I forgot to say the name. The name is Josh Downs, people. Josh Downs, wide receiver out of North Carolina. But you have to think about North Carolina had a top quarterback last year in the NFL draft. They had a guy mm -hmm. that people thought could be a first-rounder, and he had 1,300 yards, he had eight touchdowns, and he had 101 catches. But this is the key. All that came from the slot. He did that in the slot. He wasn't their number one outside guy. Now, yes, now in the slot, that's ridiculous. Uh, like 95 to 100 catches out of the slot? That's crazy. But is that going to work in the NFL? Like, are they going to move? Like, would that be a thing to say, well, we're drafting a first-round pick slot? Like, can he go outside and get off press man? Like, in the slot, you get the motion. You get to be three yards away from your defender. You know, you're getting a head start towards them before they, you know, they can't really jam in the slot 
Um, it's more of a catch technique because he's running and he has so many different angles he can take. He has so many different options from the slot. You can go out, in, you can run a go, post, corner. Like there's so much from the slot. When the outside is a little bit more, uh, you can kind of figure it out. If a guy's lined up wide, he's running the in-cutting route, he, he runs out in, lines up inside the numbers, then it gets a little tricky. If he's two yards inside the numbers, it's probably an outbreaking route. So the outside gives it away a little bit. Where slot, it's one of those things where that's why Cooper Cup dominated the slot. You know, I don't see them drafting the guy because I feel like Justin Jefferson is going to spend a decent amount of time this year motioning into the slot, him and Adam Thielen, because that's where the guy got loose was Cooper Cup in the slot. Um, so I don't see them drafting a first-round pick that's going to be a slot guy. And also, he was playing, like I said, he was playing with an NFL-caliber quarterback last year. Let's give him a year with whoever North Carolina has at quarterback this year. And I guarantee we're not going to be saying first round pick Josh Downs to the Minnesota Vikings. Like that's, I don't think you can't, it's tough to have the same production uh, with a new quarterback in college football. Like it, we've seen it time and time again, where these coaches try to reload with a new guy. Sometimes it works. Sometimes Oklahoma found a way to do it with Lincoln Riley. That's why kids are following Lincoln Riley to USC. Not every college coach can get that production out of a next quarterback. That's why Tanner Morgan's holding on for 10 years. Like, <laughs> I think they're nervous about who's next. Like, we can, we think we can get something done with Tanner. Um, I mean, Tanner's been with the Gophers as long as Adam Thielen's been with the Vikings. Like, like that's what's crazy. Pretty much. Um, basically. <laughs> so, when you, when you think about that, when you think about backup quarterback in North Carolina, now the new starter, is this kid, Josh Downs, going to get you the same 1,300, almost 1,400 yards and 100 catches? I don't know, but I don't think so. Like NFL-style quarterbacks in college make receivers look way better than they are. We learned that early with Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs got drafted in the first round because of what Alabama did with Jalen Hurts and Tua Tagovailoa. Um, you get up to the NFL, and it's just whether it's the drops, whether it's, hey, he's just a speed guy, can't really run routes. We saw that. Um, Jerry Judy was still legit. Uh, some guys are Justin Jefferson played with Burrow, but he's still legit. Jamar Chase played with Burrow, still legit. So sometimes it's it's not the chicken or the egg; it's both. But sometimes you have to figure out: was it the receiver or was it the mm -hmm. quarterback? And, and 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 only time can tell that. And so we'll see what happens with Josh Jones this year. Nothing against that kid. Hope he does great. But I don't think drafting the slot receiver is what the Vikings need to do. But next up on the Ron Johnson Show, we're going to have Nick Bukestead, former Minnesota Wild free agent. July 14th, he'll be able to start talking to teams. Hopefully we can get him right back on July 15th, 16th when he signs with somebody. He's going to give us a little inkling into who he wants to sign with. Next up on the Ron Johnson Show. Next up on the Ron Johnson Show is Promise. We have Nick Bukestead. Now, when you see the name, it doesn't sound or spell. It doesn't sound like Brady Shea. You know, these hockey guys and these names. Um, but I met Nick through um, his aunt. So, odd. Any Dinah, my, my daughter was selling bracelets uh, a couple summers ago. Uh, Nick was gracious enough to come by, uh, meet some kids, sign some autographs. But he ended up giving us some stuff from some NHL guys um, himself. Uh, we ended up getting something from Sidney Crosby of all people. And uh, and so then after that, realized Nick was a gopher. Everybody's telling me like, oh, yeah, he played with the gopher. So he and I connected. And uh, we, we kind of stayed in touch here and there. Uh, but I got a chance to see, you know, the wild in, in, in full form this year. Um, did not watch a lot of hockey before, but then I started appreciating. So as I bring Nick into the show, Nick first, I mean, as a gopher, when you leave Minnesota, when I left the gophers, I don't think I ever wanted to check my college email ever again. Um, <laughs> 
when when I found out your email is still your umn.edu email, I mean, because you told me you were getting some flack for it. What, what's up with that? What, what's up with the college email still? Well, a couple things here. First off, it's uh, I was told when I was a college student, you get it for life. So I'm riding that wave. Uh, it might be partially due to laziness. I'm just creating <laughs> an account and having to transfer everything over. Um, but yeah, I've had, I'm, I'm back training on campus right now. And one of my former teammates asked for my email and he could not believe that I still had my UMN uh, email. So uh, I don't know until I get a, a real job, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to ride this one out. I think your job is as real as it gets. Like there's a lot of people with real jobs out there that would trade their, I mean, I don't even skate and I would trade mine for yours. Um, I, I just would be an enforcer. Just give don't even give me a stick. Just let me run around 6'3, 235 pounds. I just want to run into people. Just let me bang some people to the wall, get into a couple fights, keep the keep the uh keep the guys off our goalie. Like that would be my job. I, I I'm not you I'll leave the shooting and the, the the finesse to you guys. I just want to run people over and uh bang into people. But um, you know, talking about that, so talking about the season and you look at the pieces here and there for the Minnesota Wild. Um, when you look at the Blues and the Avalanche and, and everything, you're like you guys are right there with the Blues, had it. What, what are some things you think were left on the ice that probably could have transitioned into maybe goals or, or, or stopping them or getting more wins? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a it's a good question. I wish we had the answers to that. We obviously didn't have answers to the Blues, but uh, – you know, a lot of times in in playoff hockey, it comes down to matchups, and for whatever reason, we couldn't uh, seem to match up great against the Blues. They have a good team. It was, we were pretty similar similar in uh, as far as personnel. Um, it came down to special teams. It's so important in hockey that uh, you know. I think a lot of times, if they're scoring on the power play and we aren't, that that kind of swings the game. So. Um, just a, a great year overall. Obviously, not ideal to lose in the first round, but um, you know, a lot, lot of good things happen, and I think a great future for the Wild. Um, kind of getting that experience of of the success and having some guys like Kirill Kaprizov do what he did. I think uh, the Minnesota Wild really haven't had a player like that ever. So um, that totally changes the dynamic of of the future, and um, you know, guys are going to want to come play here when they. They see the culture that Billy Garen's building, and um, you know I think Wild fans should be optimistic going forward. Yeah, and you know, like any coach, they tell you he's going to go with line one, two, then four, then back to three, just like that. I gave some questions. I got to change it up. I got to call an audible. I got a question for you because you brought that up. Kirill Kaprizov, you've played with him. Sidney Crosby, you've seen him as well. Play with him. What What are some similarities in their games where you like where people are saying this Kaprizov kid could probably be you know, he has the potential to probably be one of the, the great scorers uh, of the game. You know, he's young, so it's early. But, you know, what are some similarities between him and, and Crosby? Um, Just about how they go about their day. I'm sure you saw it when you were playing in the NFL. Um, the elite guys uh, just have a different swagger, a different mentality uh, when they step on the ice. Uh, I was telling the story about Sidney Crosby. He, he, he'd cut your throat in any board game, any if you're playing pig, whatever it is. He doesn't care if it's his grandma. Uh, he's going to win, but he's going to do it respectfully and uh, be your good buddy after the fact. So I, I think the guys that can turn that switch on and off, which uh, Kirill definitely has. I think, yeah, obviously, he's still young, but um, 
you could tell the first day he came in, just the look on their eyes when they're playing. It's like, oh man, yeah, you, you got it. It's something different. And, uh, you know, I mean, obviously there's not much that separates uh, the, the top players from the middle of the pack players, but I think mentally, um, you know, the Michael Jordans, those guys that they want to, when they get on the court, they don't care who you are. They're going to, they're going to do their best to beat you and find whatever way. And Kirill's got that compete level. Sid obviously does. Um, so, and that, that from that actually leads to the entire team trickling down and uh, feeding off of that energy. So when you have guys like that, your best players that work the hardest um, and are holding other guys accountable, I think that that's how you create winning teams. Yeah. And, and so you and I, we talked in the airport a little bit when we were in Arizona and I brought up NILs. You know, and you look at Mankato making it, um, you look at them having a Hobie Baker Award winner now. Um, when it comes to recruiting, you know, in my mind, I guess I didn't know hockey much, but I thought Minnesota was the end-all, be-all. But now as I see, you know, there's St. Cloud State, there's Mankato uh, State or Minnesota State, Mankato, however you want to say it. Um, what, what do the Gophers need to do to kind of win at home now with recruiting? Oh, yeah. That's uh, that's another tough question that I don't know that I can even answer. But from my opinion, it's uh, you know, it's good that college hockey is becoming um, widespread. It's not it's not watered down by any means. There, there's t small schools that are um, having a lot of success, and I think that helps. Um, you know, some people might not like the fact that the big schools are um, not the powerhouses anymore, but I just think it, it shows that USA Hockey is generating so many more. Um, better players from all around, not just Minnesota, Michigan, and and Boston. Um, it, it, so I think that's a positive as a Gopher fan. Um, obviously, I'd love to see us win. I never got to win one. Um, but yeah, the NIL, I, that's a whole nother animal. I've spoken with people at the university, and um, I think it benefits the players that you, you can, you know, if the situation's not working for you, you can leave and go elsewhere. But I'm sure it's challenging for these coaches, uh, as far as recruiting goes and, um, you know, keeping these kids happy. So I think, you know, you know, Minnesota's always in the mix, um, but there's, uh, you know, there's some good things happening there too. They made it to the Frozen Four and obviously lost to Mankato, which was a bummer, but I think uh, they're, they're in the right direction as well. And those one game elimination losses in hockey, uh, anything can happen. I know that too well. And um, you know, I, I see a national championship coming soon here. We, we need it. It's been probably since I think '03. Um, so, yeah, I, I think uh, Moscow is doing some good things there, and they're definitely gonna have some some success here going forward. And looking at the NHL, you know, uh, final, you know, the final. When you think about the Avalanche. And you look at the Lightning. Lightning had a chance to three-peat, didn't do it. Avalanche found a way to get it done. Seemed like they were the best team all season from just an outside looking in. Um, what set them apart from so many other teams? Uh, I mean, Colorado, you play them, it's a, it's a whole other speed almost. You got mm -hmm. that Kale McCarr, obviously. A lot of guys, a lot of people are talking about him. Um, but they, they're deep. They have they have everything you need. And, um, you know, that high-end talent where you got McCarr is the – Land the Skogs, the McKinnons. Um, it just it makes it hard to play against when they're coming at you, you, at you in waves. So um, I definitely wasn't surprised to see them win. I, I thought uh, if anyone could do it there at the end, it was Tampa. But um, it was it was a fun series to watch. And 
Obviously, you'd like to be there. I, I stayed up the other night. Usually, I'm in bed by nine o'clock, but I made sure <laughs> I stayed up to watch uh, watch those guys hold the cup. And you know, you're a little more more motivated the next day, training. And um, you know, that's that's why you play. That's that's the coolest thing ever. And um, you know, it, it's it's a hard hard championship to win, as is in any sport. But the best of seven series, those guys are so beat up, and um, it's so grueling. They're playing every other night. It's uh, you know, it's it's a pretty big challenge. Wait, nine o'clock. Wait, don't you have kids? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I go to bed early. I got a three year old and a one year old, so they're they're to bed at seven thirty, and I'm I'm about ready at that time anyway. So. And the three year old doesn't like get up out of bed. I can't sleep. I need water. Where's my oh, blanket? Yeah, <laughs> you know the deal. Uh, you're out of that stage now, but uh, yeah, usually they want mommy in the middle of the night, so <laughs> so no daddy can't help. <laughs> Oh man, you're a lucky guy. Cause yeah, my, my daughters like, yeah, just wait till they're older. My daughters now it's, you know, they come in our room and they're coming to my side of the bed. Unless they know I'm dead tired. They come to my side of the bed. They need something. Can't find a teddy bear. So I'm like, man, you're nine o'clock. I can't remember last time I went to sleep at nine o'clock and like got to stay asleep. <laughs> unless we're on, or unless we're on a vacation and is, you know, the kids are conked out from the pool or something like that. But, yeah. um, so, so looking at being back in Minnesota, you know, you're a Minnesota kid, Blaine, you know, Gopher, you now play for the Wild, um, now looking for an opportunity. What are, what are your thoughts moving forward on what's next to come for, for Nick Bukestad? Yeah, so this is the first time I've actually been a free agent. So this is uh, uncharted territory for me and uh, kind of a waiting game. You can't start talking to teams till July 14th. So, okay. Um, yeah, I guess we just we, we wait and see, and um, you know I, I, I'm not sure where where I'm headed or what's what's uh, gonna present itself here. But um, in the meantime, I'm just trying to train. I'm back on campus training with uh, Cal Dietz, and uh, there's a lot of alumni that go back there that are still playing, and um, you know that makes it fun, and you know guys push each other. So it's it's been a good summer so far, and I guess we'll find out in a couple of weeks where uh, where I'm headed. And when you look at the NHL right now, name of names, you know, you got all these big-time names out there, uh, you know, with the New York Rangers, you got the Pittsburgh Penguins that have some stars. Um, you know, when, when you just Ovechkin, you know, all these names jump out when you when you think about it, uh, you know, Subban and, and so on and so forth. Is there a guy right now that you're like, if a team called and it was even money, let's just say it was the Red Wings, and the New York Rangers, even money. Is there a team out there you're like, well, I really want to play with this guy, so that's where I'm going to go? Uh, yeah, that's a good question, Ron. Uh, I don't know if I want to throw my cards out there right now. <laughs> uh, I, I'm seeing a lot of viewers, so I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. We're not big enough yet. We're not big <laughs> enough yet. We're not big enough yet. Yeah, well, I, I think just uh, for me, it was playing in Pittsburgh was kind of uh, – it was – I guess eye-opening just seeing Crosby the, for the first time on on the ice and yeah. how fast that practice was in comparison to what I had experienced previously. Um, it was another level. So for me, that was fun because it's like, wow, this everyone's competing, everyone's going 100% because the best player in the world is going 100%. So um, you know, you you see the McDavid's and the uh mckinnon's i don't know <laughs> they don't well, i'll give you i'll give you a better one i'll give you an old yeah. school name like steve eiserman okay. all these you know old school names who's the guy if you can go back like if you're like if you could be born earlier what what guy would you want would you have loved to play with yeah that's a really good question too um 
probably Mario Lemieux. Okay. Okay. Familiar. Yeah, he's a Pittsburgh, um, former Pittsburgh player, and uh, did he have missing teeth at one point? Yeah, I'm sure most of us do. I actually <laughs> still have all my teeth, thankfully. So knock on wood, spent almost ten years in the league without losing a tooth. But uh, that that's pretty uncommon for us hockey guys. I think the Canadians think it's cool to lose their teeth. It's kind of. <laughs> um, but yeah, Mario Lemieux, that guy. I think if he wasn't injured as much as he was, they say he might have might have went down as one of the greatest or as the greatest of all time. But um, that's a debate for another day that I can't I can't argue. <laughs> Yeah, I have to get a round table maybe on my next show. Like, we'll figure out a day to get you and Zucker and and, and maybe one other guy. Maybe get Riley Tufty to uh, to uh, kind of come together and we can have a four-person. I, I'll just throw it out there because I'm not the hockey guy. I'll let you guys yeah, discuss yeah. who you – you know, who would be the best, like, you know, lineup or the best yeah. line in, like, NHL history. But I want to thank Nick Bukestad for joining me on the Ron Johnson Show. Up next, we got the Daily Three. That's three questions, three minutes each. Stay tuned for that. Next up on the Ron Johnson Show, the part of the show I love. That's the Daily Three. That's three questions, three minutes each. Sam Ekstrom, take it away. What should we get into first? Uh, the Twins had a doubleheader yesterday with the Guardians. Game one went the wrong way. Once again, the, wol or the Wolves. The Twins had a late lead. in the <laughs> Wolves, where did that come from? Uh, Twins have a late lead. Bullpen blows it. Emilio Pagan gives up two in the eighth. They lose three to two. Uh, the Twins have now had the lead in the eighth inning in all six games against the Guardians in the past week, and they've lost three of them, Ron, including yesterday afternoon. That was a gut punch, but they bounced back in the nightcap, a 6 nothing win. Great pitching performance from Josh Winder. So the Twins come out with the split, Ron. Still two games left in the series. Your thoughts? Well, one, the Wolves did blow leads, so I, I think that's where you were going with that. It's just still it's stuck in your head from that. Um, I know. <laughs> but the Twins, and I said this. I said this is the series. You get five games. You got to win four out of five. Well, they won two out of uh, two out of three so far. They got two more left. The fact that they've had leads in all the games and they've blown three, um, hopefully their coach has the same intel that you have. What do we need to do to sustain these games? Now, is it the bullpen? Is it we need to make sure we're keeping an eye and keeping our pitchers fresh? Is we making sure where we're pitching the perfect person for the next batter? Because sometimes coaches forget and they just get stuck in a – I mean, baseball, I mean, nothing against it. But you know, Sam, like watching it, it can get monotonous. It can get a little bit boring until stuff happens. And so as a coach, I'm pretty sure – I mean, they're human. When you're sitting there, it can get a little bit probably like you can get lulled to sleep with like, all right, let's just let this guy pitch versus who's up to bat. Where did he take the ball last time? Who's he struggle with? Who's be pitch better against him? Now, usually that's where your pitcher's coach might be able to help you out. So maybe, and, and, and they've already had these issues before the pitcher's coach left, so I don't think that's the problem. Maybe that is the problem too with pitcher's coach leaving. Maybe that was the problem is he wasn't paying attention to what pitchers are doing well against what batters. But that's where you have to manage your bullpen a little bit better, be prepared for the lead, and then say, who can we get in here? Who can give us one inning or two innings or maybe just one or two batters to get through these two batters and then get back into another pitcher? Um, but but those are the little parts of the game that I, I think are going to be key for these next two games. But they have a three-game lead now. They won again. They have a three-game lead. Doubleheader, I said that. I said doubleheaders are tough to beat the same team twice. Like I said, I said that's how my daughters, they won their championship. They lost the first one, came back, won the second one, they're champs. So that's what's hard in, in, in softball, baseball. Doubleheaders, winning that second game is hard. So the fact that the Guardians won the first, 
it was inevitable the Twins were going to win the second uh, because and when you have to come back and win, you use a lot of energy. Like you burn so much energy trying to win that first game. Usually, and I say the loser has the advantage, but they kind of do because once you already know you're going to, like it's almost out of hand, you mentally just let it go and say, you know what, we got one more game. Let's get ready for this next game. And that's what the Twins did. But that's that's what I think. I think these next two, in order to do it, you just have to, once you get that lead, you have to now manage that bullpen a little bit better. Yeah, I agree. Six o'clock start tonight, game four of the five-game series. How about this one, Ron? The ACC is doing away with its divisions, the Atlantic and the Coastal in football. Would you be in favor if the Big Ten said, we're going to scrap the West, we're going to scrap the East, we're just going to have one big conference uh, what would you think about that? So selfishly, no. I like the West because it's easy, and we're it's only three teams we're dealing with to get to the Big Ten championship. Um, so that's that's why I do like the East and West because I mean honestly, it's Iowa, Wisconsin. Like that's the two teams right now. We're really Northwestern's been here and there, but it's really Iowa, Wisconsin are the two that the Gophers really have to just try to stay in front of to get to that championship game. When you look at the East, you got Ohio State, you got Penn State, Michigan. That's three juggernauts in the Big Ten right now. So if you were to scrap that, I think other people in the East for sure would love to scrap it because then that just puts the top two teams back into the championship, which a lot of times it's been the reverse game. We're meaning Michigan plays Ohio State and then they play each other again for the Big Ten championship. And that's frustrating. That's not fun. And I think that was one of the reasons why this whole thing started. Like, how do we get out of this where the one and two teams in the country are in our conferences and their one and two teams in our conferences are playing at the end of the year? And then they're turning around playing again because it's been Michigan, Ohio State for a while. Um, that's kind of been I mean, you go back to the Charles Woodson days. It was kind of the same thing then uh, with David Boston. So you, you've had that happen. Um, you've had the Penn State jump up there. Number two, loose in Minnesota. Um, so I know the West teams can knock off these East teams. But I think in the in the Big Ten, I like it. I like it to stay that way. Now, if they were to change it, hey, it's whatever. Um, Record-wise, or sorry, schedule-wise, it does get you some fun games back. Like, I do like playing Ohio State. I think it's fun for the program. I think it's great for TV. I think it's a player's chance to get on national, national TV. Like, there's national TV with ESPN games, but then there's Ohio State games. Like, that's on Fox. That's prime time. Like, we were on ESPN 1, you know, game of the day, 2.30 in the afternoon. Like that's that's the ones I love, and and when we upset Ohio State, that's how everybody remembers that. Same with Penn State, we played Penn State on ABC, and we beat them. They were number mm-hmm. two in the country. So I like I do like that when you get those more. Um, but at the end of the day, same with Michigan. We play Michigan in the Big House, ABC. Like when you get those big games, it is fun. But I, I do like it selfishly for my own benefit of saying I think we can win the West and then go to the Big Ten championship. But if they were to do away with it, I, I like getting the games back. I think the ACC is doing it for the simple fact of. Um, it's just not good. Great football out there. Like, it, there's no point of doing what they do. Like, let's just get the best two ACC teams in the championship because it has not been that way. You know, you have a dominant team and then you have some others. I think now what they're trying to do is make it a little bit more competitive league, uh, make it less of where our 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 division sucks, their division's good. Um, Big Ten doesn't have that because you still have Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota that are pretty good, and Wisconsin, Iowa for sure have been holding it down. Um, but I'd say no. I, I don't. I don't. I wouldn't want to do it for the Big Ten, but I do see why the ACC is doing it. Here's my proposal. You've got 14 teams in the conference. Do away with the non-conference games. We don't need to play Bowling Green. We don't need to play New Mexico State. Everybody plays everybody. 13-game season, everyone plays everyone, and, uh, and see how the chips fall. I agree with that. All right. Serena Williams played tennis yesterday for the first time in a year. She lost in a dramatic first-round match at Wimbledon in a tie break. 
Uh, Serena is now 40 years old, Ron. Does she have one Tiger Woods moment left in her to win a Grand Slam before the end of her career? Uh, well, if you look, uh, like, after having a baby, and we know this, and women, it's so different for women to come back from sports after, you know, being a parent than it is for men. I mean, it sucks. Um, men don't have to, like, put their bodies through that to, 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 to have a baby. And so when you think about what you go through, the mindset you're in, you're out of sports. Like, your life is that child. Um, and then trying to get mentally back into it and being the killer that she once were. I mean, she was an absolute killer. Like she was a stone cold assassin on the, on the court. Um, I wouldn't say it's over because some athletes that are elite, they just have a mindset and a, and a, and a drive and a workout ethic that you can't top. When you think about Michael Jordan, though, coming back in that 45, he had the same struggles. Like when Michael Jordan wore number 45, he did not look like Mike. Like, Lil Bow Wow was ready to play Michael Jordan in the 45. Like, he did not look like the Michael Jordan. When he put that 2-3 back on, everybody's like, oh, okay, okay, he's back now. And then he goes and wins three more championships. So, no, I'm not going to ever say it's over because tennis is it's, – it's, it's not a physical, like, I got to hit people sport. Um, it's a mano-a-mano type sport. It's a sport where if you can get your knees under control, your hips under control, like as far as pain, um, and you can get your stamina back, um, it's all about the power swing. If her shoulder is fine, her wrists are fine. That's the things that matter for tennis. Um, so we've seen a lot of older tennis players continue to play and be fine, especially in, in the, with the men. So, yeah, I don't think it's over. I just think it's up to her. Like, you know, because she even said it. She said, I'm awesome or something, and uh, we'll see or something. Like, she deflected the question. So it's up to her. Mm -hmm. Like, she's rich. Like, she doesn't have to do this. She does it because she loves it. Her sponsors probably has some sponsorship contract she has to fulfill. Um, but she's rich. She doesn't care. She she could be done right now and, and live a happy, healthy life and not have to worry about the media ever again. And right off of this, Tiger Woods could too. But there's some about certain athletes that they just don't want to give it up. Tom Brady, we see him, same thing. He doesn't, like, they just can't give it up. It's like Tom Brady could walk away and be just fine. I mean, the dude is rich. He's married to a, a wealthy woman as well that has her own business. He has TB12. He could quit and be fine, but he just cannot let Drew Brees. He could not. He does not have to come back, but he's talking about I might come back. Like, it's just something about great athletes that when it's done, sometimes it's tough to really be done. So I don't know what Serena Williams is going to do, but I do know if she wants to be dominant, she can. Um, and I think sometimes when you're playing that first round and you don't think your competition is as good, maybe you take them for granted. And before it's too late, you can't make a comeback. That's just my thought. Yeah, Serena's just so good for, for tennis and women's tennis. I mean, most people, men or women, they're not paying attention to the first-round matchups. And I, I watched the, the end of that game yesterday, or that match. They were on fire. Every single point, that crowd was, was super into it, packed the house for Serena. And uh, it's going to be a bummer when she's no longer part of the sport because she's so good for it and so fun to watch. Daniil Hunter was there. Like, I saw that oh. on his Instagram. Yeah, Daniil Hunter was in the crowd. He's down there visiting the stadium for the U.K. game. Uh, and the U.K. Vikings fandom people hosted some people down to meet the Vikings. I think K.J. Osborne and Daniil Hunter are down there. But, yeah, Daniil Hunter, like, he posted a video of Serena Williams walking out into the court. So he was there. He got to witness greatness. That's awesome. I would yeah. love to get there. So I would love to get to Wimbledon someday. That's one of those bucket list items. It is. That's cool. So we want to thank you guys for joining us today on the Ron Johnson Show. I'm Ron Johnson. That's Sam Ekstrom. That was the Daily Three. We also had Nick Bukestead on. Please go back and listen if you have not heard his interview. And early on, we talked about should the Vikings draft a receiver in round one.
I don't know what you think. I have my answer. You formulate yours. Feel free to comment, like, and share, and also subscribe. But download and take us wherever you get your podcast. You can find us. Just look for Locked On Sports Minnesota, and this is the Ron Johnson Show. Thank you, and have a great day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.